0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 436, recorded on Thursday, the 20th of June, 2019. Happy summer, Chris! I know, First day man. of summer. Well, tomorrow, by the time everyone listens to this, it will be the first day of summer. That's right. Yeah,
1: I think uh, it's finally time for me to switch my snow tires off my car. <laughs> I figure it now; it's safe uh-huh. that it's probably not going to snow again. You know what? This is Canada. You never know. Well, you do never know. That's true. But uh, yeah, I'm going to switch. I'm going to. I'm going to do a changeover later. Later this week or early next week.
0: Do it yourself. I did my own tires this year. No,
1: I don't think that's going to happen.
0: Do <laughs> you want me to come over and help you? I got some really good tips from my brother-in-law on changing your tires, so now I feel like I know how to do it. Okay, you can come over and do it. Well, I mean, I'll, that's no problem. I'll help you learn how to do it yourself, and you'll 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 never have to take your tires your car in to get the tires changed. I again. have
1: no interest in learning how to do that. I, I know how to change a tire. I've changed tires. I just i have to change four of them do I don't want to change four of them. I want to drive in and uh, sit in the lobby for 15 minutes, twiddling my thumbs on my phone, and then turn around and drive away.
0: Huh. That never happens to me. I take it in. I leave it there all day. Come back. It's not done yet. Oh, no. no. there's a. I have a guy. And it costs, you know, whatever, hundreds of dollars. So forget really? it. Really? Don't cost me like 39 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, <laughs> you live in a different city than
1: I world. do. World. Yeah. This is a different world, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I drive in. I sit in the lobby for, you know, half an hour or whatever, because I schedule a time. Uh-huh. It gets done. It costs me, well, okay, 50 bucks. And then, uh, and that's it. I got to move to where you live. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh,
0: there's lots of places for sale around here. Great. It'd be great to have you. I'll, I'll start looking into it. Anyways, as fascinating this, as this is, um, it's not what we're here to do. Welcome to the program, everyone. It's, uh, it's almost the first day of summer and we're here to talk about season five, episode three of Fear the Walking Dead. Uh-huh. I mean, sure are. I'm I'm excited about that. Uh, so let's let's get right into it. Uh, but you know, first the ratings were up a little bit this week. It was 1.76 million, up just a little bit from last week, but still uh, didn't quite hit the 1.9 something that season five episode one was at. So you know, a, a little bit of a rebound there.
1: Yeah. Well, that's nice to see, which is good. Here,
0: yeah. And learn about. Exactly. All right. Um, This episode is called Humbug's Gulch, which is a fantastic name for the episode. Uh, It's the name of a town in the episode, Um, but I like it. Yeah, sort of. But I like it. Humbug's Gulch. It's fun to say. It's fun to read. I just like everything about it.
1: It's good. Yeah, I do like like the word gulch, Mm -hmm. and uh, humbug is uh, right up there as well. (laughs) Not as much as, you know, I like humbug a little bit less than gulch, but uh, yeah, as far as a phrase goes...
0: It's pretty good. Put those two words together and it's magic, I tell you. Yeah. So this episode was also directed by someone special, Jason. Did you happen to know? I saw
1: that. I didn't know anything about it and I'm watching the episode and then I see directed by Coleman
0: Domingo. I'm like, all right, Coleman, that was awesome. Yeah, man. The guy who plays Strand, of course. I think it's his first time directing Fear the Walking Dead, but don't quote me on that I could be wrong and I also don't know if he's directed other things in the past or if this is truly his directing debut but either Mm -hmm. way I think he did a bang up job directing this episode oh you did did you I sure did and (laughs) you know that may be a little bit of a spoiler for for things uh to come in this podcast but yeah I think Coleman did a really great job on what was pretty much a really great episode
1: oh man we're gonna have so much to talk
0: about Oh boy. I fucking hated this episode. I hated almost every second of it. I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't even know you anymore. I mean,
1: you know how, okay.
0: <sighs> Where do I start? <laughs> He's collecting so, his thoughts.
1: I've got to collect my thoughts. You know how I, you really like something and then you can still nitpick a little bit, but it doesn't uh, diminish from how much you actually liked it. It still was a really good, whatever it was. It's just, it's got, you know, obviously some problems. Nothing's perfect. Yep. Uh, uh, this was the complete opposite. It was complete and utter garbage from in my opinion, I hated almost every second of it, and uh, there was little things that I kind of liked, but it did not ri- raise it up from complete crap that I really, really disliked. Wow,
0: oh my god all right so i don 't know i don 't know how this is I liked cope. this slightly
1: less, just slightly less than the scene where the governor went to fight those military people and they were falling. In slow motion around him? You yeah, remember yeah. in season two or whatever that was? Season three? A long time ago in the main show, yeah. yeah. That was horrid. This, I The writing was bad. I didn't like the acting. Uh, it didn't make any sense. I hated the fact that it was a cowboy episode. I hated, hated, hated how John Dory split the bullet with the fucking hatchet. It was so annoying. I, I just... I can't think of anything really that I liked about this episode other than the
0: the name Humbugs Gulch is a really kind of cool name. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, is something you probably didn't even think I'd bring up.
1: <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, well, I, I kind of like June in this episode. John Dory was sort of okay, but when they started having conversations between each other and with uh, Dwight,
0: it was just, it was maddening. It was maddening. Man. Well, I feel completely the opposite. And I feel that way, I think because of a lot of the things that you've, you've just mentioned, I think they all worked quite well. And, you know, this was, I think, my favorite episode of the, of the series since season four, episode five, which was the one that we both loved, where John Dory and June, it was their, uh, their right. episode, right? Where he finds her uh, on the side of the river. Remember? Yeah. Remember Did how we much watch we the same
1: one? episode? Was this the same episode? The one where they go to Cowboy Town and uh, uh, there's tumbleweeds? Yes. Yes. For some reason, watch the same and, one. And then they uh, this town is based on the the same town that uh, that John Dory worked at. That's right. When he was a sort of a
0: gunslinger for for kids.
1: Right. So this is a a town with actual restaurants and such. And they go into a theater and they shut the door and they say, "Is there any other way out of here?" And the only option is to climb out a window on the roof. What the fuck kind of building that is a public building that doesn't have more than one entrance
0: Well, there's or there's, exit? What there, if there's a
1: fire? It's all made of wood. There, Everybody will die.
0: <laughs> there are zombies all around. They wanted to go out somewhere safe where they knew they wouldn't open a door and come face to face with the walking dead. That's not what they said, though. Said, is there any other way out of here? And he said, well, we'll have to climb out. We can climb out on the roof. I think the implication, though, is, is there any other safe way out of here? And that's what he was saying. We can't just run out the back door because there's zombies out there. Now, yeah, that's not okay. now, listen, I understand John Dory is obviously a pretty amazing sharpshooter and a couple zombies out the back door might not be a big problem for him, but I think what they were going for was the safe way out. And that's why they climbed okay. up the roof. All right.
1: I'll, I'll accept that
0: explanation. Anyways. Um, I love this episode. I, okay. I, that's too strong a word. I liked this episode a lot. It's the best one. The show's done in a long time for me, uh, which might not be saying much granted, but I do think it was good. And I liked it mostly because of John and June and it harkened back to that episode in season four, uh, that I liked so much, seeing these two characters together again. And I also really enjoyed all the Western-y type stuff to it. I I think of this as a Western, and I am definitely by no means an expert on the genre. I have not seen a lot of old Western movies. It's never really been a a, a great point of interest for me, that genre of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. But when I think about Western in my mind, I kind of think of this, even though this was... Uh, a little bit comedic in a way. And I don't, I don't think of this as a real serious gritty Western or anything like that, but I kind of think of this and I ended, I enjoyed watching it and I enjoyed watching these characters find this village and uh, everything that happened to them while they were in it. I don't know. I
1: really don't think that we watched the same episode or one of us is delusional. Well, that could be
0: possible. (laughs) so, uh, do you want me? I, I, do you want me to start with something I I didn't like about it? Because I do have okay. something That's here, fine. and That's I kind fine. of I kind of intended to start with that after sort of my initial thoughts. But um, one thing I did not like about this episode, and it's a big important thing, I think, is pretty much everything with Alicia, Lucy, and Morgan.
1: Right, including the nails on the board that the, they ran over and then just left there for no reason.
0: Yeah, and they, they turned it over, like
1: they, it wasn't attached to the rotor and they did, they turned it over, uh, Alicia turned it over and then turned it back and, and started walking away saying, Morgan will catch up. Yep. He sure did. But right. I guess he
0: drove over it and missed. Did he drive around it? Did, did they, they didn't tell him about it? Nothing. No, I, I knew you were going to point that out. And I thought of it too. It's like, okay, they just ran over this thing and they radioed to Morgan Go out of their way to say he'll catch up with us, which implies that he's coming along the same path, same road. And then they just leave it there, like pointing straight Uh up, like kick it off to the side so he doesn't blow his tires too. I agree that was stupid and didn't make sense. And most
1: likely when they ran over it, it probably would have stuck to their tires and still be part of the car. Mm, Yeah, good point. I didn't think of that either. Anyway, like, we've all run over a nail,
0: right? The nail stuck in the tire. It doesn't stay on the road. No, that's true. <laughs> but I think that's the least of the problems with that that scene. But, you know, Alicia, Lucy, and Morgan, I was profoundly bored by their storyline in this episode. I mean, they're driving around, marking the locations of the uh, zombies strung up across the road. I understand kind of why they're doing that. They're sort of trying to figure out where they are and if they form any sort of pattern, which they do apparently. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not really fascinating TV. The other thing they're doing is looking for the kids, which I'm like, who cares? I mean, yes, Alicia wants to help these children, but it doesn't seem like it's all that exciting. Um, And even when Morgan encourages her to send that message over the radio to the kids and kind of open up to them, Again, it was the same problem this show has had a lot, which is that she's just rehashing plot and themes verbally saying there has to be a better way to do things. And, you know, I lost people too and yada, yada, yada. We've all heard this a million times before. So I don't feel like we need to sit through that dialogue anymore. So it kind of upsets me that Morgan, a character I've liked a lot in the past, and Alicia, a character I've really liked a lot in the past, are... I'm finding this boring now, but mm. the fact is, I kind of am so I just don't think their storyline is is working at all,
1: yeah, I kind of agree I didn't it it didn't rise or lower go below uh anything else in the episode for me like I didn't like that any more or any less than the other crap
0: <laughs> all right well, <laughs> it just it just puts an exclamation point on the idea that that sort of um uh, component of the show that part of the story right now is not really working and it's certainly not doing it for me so uh hopefully they can move on from that hopefully they can give these characters something more interesting to do Uh, we haven't seen strand or sarah or the other guy for a couple of episodes now um so i don't feel the same about them but i also don't know what the hell they're doing for all i know they're just sitting around in the truck with nowhere to go. So yeah, they're, they're partying they're drinking. Yeah. They got, they're,
1: they got a brewery, right? Or Jim, they had one, I guess they probably stocked up before, um, Max
0: Headroom took over the brewery. Yeah. Jimbo's beer Remember? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's get into the rest of this. Then Robert in blue Springs, uh, Missouri wrote in and says, I liked the new character they introduced us to in this episode. I have seen him in the background a few times, but I was glad that he finally got some significant screen time. I really hope they aren't trying to make us feel something for this character just to off him in an episode or two. It's nice to have some diversity in the cast this season. We have had mostly humans so far, so it's good to see a hard-working tumbleweed get a chance to show us what he's got. <laughs> Maybe you can do an actor spotlight on him this off-season. Tumbleweeds are awesome. I like tumbleweeds. So you must have really enjoyed that part of this episode then because there was some serious tumbleweed action.
1: There was a couple of tumbleweeds. Like it wasn't just one tumbleweed. It was a couple of, I recognized a couple of different tumbleweeds in, out there, <laughs> but uh, they're fun because they basically, uh, any part of this bush can become roots. So what happens is they blow around like they are shaped like a ball on purpose. And when the, when the ground dries up. Their roots come unlodged and they roll around until they hit something or it rains and they get stuck in the mud. And when they get stuck in the mud, it's too much of a, uh, a chance that, uh, the roots, if there were dedicated roots, they'll be sticking up in the air and the thing won't won't do any good. So whatever part of that tumbleweed is stuck in the mud will be the roots.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Tumbleweeds are cool. But they must not root very deep or strong if they can just blow away later. Yeah, well that's the thing. They're they're they're
1: nomads. Right. <laughs> they they'd stick around in wherever there's a wet spot for a little while and then grow a little bit and you know, maybe little tiny leaves, I don't know. But uh then when it dries up, there's, you know, it's uh time to move on.
0: I guess so. Well it's it's <laughs> as Robert says, it's nice to see some hardworking tumbleweeds get a break here and there.
1: Yeah. Well it was a windy day in a cowboy town, so Tumbleweeds.
0: There you go. So the town, you didn't think the town had a really cool aesthetic, looked fun, and was just a really great location for, I don't know, some fun zombie killing. I I loved everything about it.
1: This, it was indicative of the kind of thing this show has been doing uh, lately. It's, you know, specific, uh, you know, we'll have a winter, like this show is in uh, The Walking Dead and Fear of the Walking Dead. We have winter. An episode of winter we have an episode of uh nuclear power plant stuff. Now we have an episode of cowboy stuff like what's next like we we talked about this last week, like what's next? What can they possibly do next? They've done everything. Well, they did something else this time this time it was cowboys. They even got June to dress up like a cowboy i, I... she went through the costumes and she picked out a nice costume, and she was using the uh uh you know that uh lever action rifle it was uh it was such a cowboy episode.
0: it was too much it was too much of a cowboy episode, but John Dory's a cowboy like that's yes his John Dory's a
1: cowboy in a in the real world well real in the, in quotes, but he's out there being John Dory. this is who John Dory is, and now we have a fake cowboy
0: town uh which kind of lessens John Dory in my mind. No, I don't think it does at all i I think he proved himself as you know a pretty badass um sharpshooter he's uh, done that before
1: though we didn't need the friggin uh, splitting the what is the mountain what, what do you call it the mississippi mud splitter or whatever the hell it was
0: <laughs> no it was the uh, san antonio split <laughs> yeah whatever <laughs> we'll get to that man i there's a whole conversation to have around that all right. that one bit but you know i i don't think it lessened john Dory at all i think it gave him a chance to shine and show off what he's really, really good at. Um, but even outside of that, I just thought the town looked fun, looked great, uh, had things like the brothel, the brothel that served okay, soup. That was cute. Yeah, exactly. That was one of the,
1: one of the things that
0: rise like off the floor for me. Yeah. It didn't like lift up the whole episode. And, and, and I, and I think these places exist in real life. It's not like this is a made up idea. this, this concept of a fake cowboy town where you go to have a, a cowboy experience, right? It's like the real world version of, of Westworld. <laughs> okay. Shut up and take my money. Where are these places? No. Th- well, probably in Texas and in the South and other places like that. All I don't right, know. Maybe somebody they-
1: tell me where these are and where the nearest one is that I can go to. I would like to actually visit such a town. I doubt that it would be this non-commercial though. I mean, it would be way over the top cowboy town.
0: Like they wouldn't, It wouldn't look like this. When I was in Prince Edward Island a number of years ago, um, that's a small Canadian province for anyone who doesn't know on the uh, east coast of the country. They are known for Anne of Green Gables, right? Anne of Green Gables is from there uh, and they really play it up. So they have things like this for Anne of Green Gables where it's it's a town, very small, built to be basically a complete theatrical performance and the people in the town are actors Anne is there her family is there and what you can do is you pay money to go into this spend the day there and experience life in um, I forget the name of the town but in and of Green Gables world and and it's cool and it's like you're in the middle of a theatrical performance happening around you. Um, And there are some times when you sit down and watch something on a stage and they act out some stuff. And of course, not everybody there is an actor. So there's a horse stable place where there's a guy tending to the horses. But you can go and talk to him and take a ride on a wagon pulled by horses and things like that. Just do old timey stuff. right? Right. So it's a whole Anne of Green Gables town um based off this uh story that was written uh years ago and TV show that you know existed. So so it's the same uh, idea big, as this. There
1: is, yes, and I absolutely agree with you that those places exist. There's a pioneer village uh in Toronto on the uh That's right. the west side, right, which I've never been to but I've driven past it a number of times. Uh so there's these places, but they're all one-offs, right? Mm-hmm. What we're talking about here is a chain of cowboy towns that this one, that's exactly like the one that John Dory worked at. This one is not the one he did work at. He just, he saw the sign and said, oh, I know this place and I know where the guns are in this place that, you know, that's okay. But if there was anything that, uh, any cowboy town like this, that turned out to be, uh, a franchise, it would be a lot more commercial than
0: Just somebody putting up a, you know, an old timey cowboy town. I don't know, man. I th- I think that if if you went to this place pre zombie apocalypse and it was a functioning business, it probably would come off a lot more commercial. But now it's an abandoned, you know, fake cowboy town, and I'm not surprised that there'd be a chain or they'd be all the same. Like you walk into a Costco any in the anywhere in the world, and they're friggin' identical. You know where everything is.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the idea. That's, it's it's also extremely commercial, right? Fine, but well, it you know it's a it's a store yeah right so they they sell stuff <laughs> obviously it's commercial but everything is refined at a corporate level and then cookie cutter you know placed here placed there placed there so that everything is exactly the same it's uh it's just it's over engineered it's over designed uh this cowboy town that i saw was not that and if it was a chain it would be it would be
0: more commercial looking than just an old timey rundown cowboy town. So are you arguing that it should have been more commercial in the, in the episode?
1: I'm saying that it doesn't make any sense that this is what they, you know, say that it is.
0: Uh, it just, I don't buy into it. I can't buy it. I don't buy it. Hmm. All right. Well, I totally did. And I want to go to the place. and, And I also think that this, yeah, it, like I said, it if gave... they had
1: a cowboy town somewhere that I could go to where they had a sharpshooting demonstration, uh-huh. I would go. I would like to see that. I would like to take my family to this thing and have it displayed for me. I would like to eat at the brothel soup place. <laughs> and I'm not a soup fan, but any soup store that is named after a brothel,
0: I'll go. It's okay with you. <laughs> it's okay with me. <laughs> well, I mean, that's sort of what I'm saying. I think these places would exist, and I think you'd have a good time there. Yes. And I think it was accurately depicted on the episode. If it
1: was a one-off, but they couldn't make it a one-off because then they'd have to explain why John Dory uh, worked here, yet didn't have any idea that it he was here. Mm-hmm. So they had to explain that
0: away somehow, and they tried
1: to, well,
0: and it didn't work. The other thing I think about this town is that it was Similar to something I've thought about the rest of this season so far is that, uh, I've sort of already said this, but it looked really good. I thought, again, we had great cinematography in this episode. I liked how all the dust was blowing around. I liked the tumbleweeds. A lot of the characters for a while there were obscured by the dust and the shadows and, you know, running around with bandanas over their faces. Totally bought into all of it. I thought it just looked amazing and felt fun and cool.
1: You know what I saw? I saw wind blowing down Main Street and then uh, showing a wide shot of wind blowing down Main Street and trees not moving at all in the peripheral of that shot. I didn't notice that. It's like when it rains on actors. Like, it's just, it's pouring rain right there, but then 40 feet behind them, it's not raining. I mean,
0: that can happen too.
1: I'm trying to it director. can happen too, but it's a freak <laughs> occurrence. This was extremely windy right down where the people were. And then anywhere outside of the, uh, uh, the, you know, the focal point of or the focus of that shot was not windy. Hmm. And you know, if you're going to do that, don't use a wide shot. Just stick to everything in the shot is windy. Tighten it up. Yeah. 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 Tighten
0: it up. All right. Well, let's move so on. So we
1: saw the same thing like we watched the same shot
0: on the screen yeah we just had different opinions of it It maybe focused on different things a little bit maybe (laughs) all right well jennifer in california wrote john and june's story was the only thing that brought me back from the brink with fear the walking dead last season but sadly i don't know if they're going to be enough to keep me really invested this year what do you think is missing from fear? Why is it so hard to stay invested in this story? And I don't know. I think, I I think Jennifer is asking two questions here. Um, it's, I, I think it's difficult to stay invested in the show and in the story when it comes to everything except John and June. And I want more of them because I eat it up. And I want less of all the other crap that I think is not working.
1: I don't understand. Those are two questions?
0: Uh no, I'm sort of answering. I'm I sort of <laughs> gave two answers to one question. <laughs> sort <Okay>. of.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I'm having a hard time too. I'm right there with you, Jennifer. It's uh I'm 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 grasping at straws here, trying to understand. Like I really was on board with John Dory last season and Garrett Dillahunt. And, uh, once I got to know June, I was on board with her and how could she not fall in love with John Dory? He's awesome. But, uh, it's not working for me in this episode. Like (sighs) this was a John and June episode. They even had little jokes about, you know, John Dory, but it's not spelled the same. It's like the name of the fish, but it's not spelled quite the same. Whereas June, it's like the month and it is spelled the same. That was a kind of a cute line. It's adorable. Yes. And that was one of the things that was up above the the main uh, level of the episode, but it wasn't enough to lift the whole episode
0: up for me. Well, I think these two are the heart and soul of the show right now. They're the best thing about it. I love almost every minute they're on screen. And again, this episode worked for me because they are so believable as a pair. You know, as a couple, almost, and and they
1: it, are in love. I'll give you that. Yeah, and they're great actors. They're doing uh, they're doing a pretty good job of showing that uh, adoration they have for each other.
0: Right, but it it comes through in not just their interactions amongst the two of them. Um, all, although I feel like I could watch a show that was just about the two of them. Really, yeah, I think that would be fine. Um, but what I wanted to say is all of that, all of my sort of love for them doesn't just come through their own interactions, but also the way they interact with the world and and other people, right? I think it was a a brilliant stroke of screenwriting to have Dwight introduced to these two rather than anybody else because they are so open. To the idea of a new person they they treat him so well and they earn his trust by being good people basically and after i watched it i started thinking if it had been strand and alicia or you know al or or any of the other characters to encounter dwight i feel like the entire interaction would have gone totally differently and somebody would have ended up dead or you know they would have had to go their separate ways at the end, which we saw with um, Grace last episode and how, I mean, yeah, Morgan wanted her to stay, but and she had her own thing to do. But I think Dwight is part of the group now because he ran into John and June first, and they are the only people that are genuinely able to help somebody, which is what they're trying to do.
1: Yeah. I agree with you as far as that goes. The dialogue that they had when, uh, when Dwight was stuck in the minivan with all the zombies around him and they were on the radio together, John and June and and Dwight, the dialogue was, it was heartbreaking to hear that. It was, it was, it was hard to, it was bad. In my opinion, it was very, very bad. Then the only way that they could have that conversation is if they've already known each other for years they you know june knows how dwight is feeling even though they just fucking met and shot at each other for a while it was just complete bullshit it was uh you don't understand dwight's motivations like don't tell him how he's feeling like i just i dislike that in people's personalities in general like don't try and assign me emotions you're wrong
0: <laughs> you should like this episode more
1: yes no it's like I I knew somebody who their entire life was just like, oh, you feel this way. or oh, you hate that. Don't you? Or, uh, you really like that. Or you think this and you think that it's like, just, just stop fucking assigning me thoughts and emotions. Let me speak for myself. Mm. June was doing that to Dwight. And it drove me crazy. The dialogue to me felt badly written, but that might've been tainted by the fact that I was displeased with the
0: episode at the time as well. It, just in that, car radio scene or or like everything between them
1: uh general not everything i mean i agree with you in that uh if dwight had met anybody else in the group that he wouldn't have been cemented in here he what he needed was a little bit of kindness he's been on his own for a long time and uh you know he did something out of uh <laughs> you know, insanity because he's been alone for a long time and it's very traumatic. He's been trying to find his wife and he finally finds somebody who thinks that, or he thinks that might know where she is because they have the van. Uh, and so he does something rash and that rashness was met with kindness. And that was the, the, the one thing that could bring him around to wanting to, uh, be with other people again. I agree with you in that overall thing. I think the dialogue specifically in that scene
0: was, I did not enjoy. Let's just put it that way. And and I can see what you're saying there. Um, I I do like the idea that he was, Dwight was in trouble and he was met with kindness and that's what brought him back. Um, And I can see what you're saying about that particular scene. I hadn't really thought of it that way. Although being said, that being said, like Dwight was sitting in that van by himself, ready to kill himself. Right. He was taking the gun. He was going to put it in his mouth. And June talked him down. She talked him out of it. And, you know, I think, I think there's a certain, um, possibility that she just kind of took a shot and was like, I'm going to try to save this guy. I'm going to try to help him. I'm going to say these things, even though I don't know him and I don't know what he's been through. Uh, I'm going to say these things to try and help him out. Um, and it worked right. Uh, whether that means she just kind of got lucky and hit the right nerve And brought him back from the edge. I don't know. But I can see your point about her not knowing him at all. And therefore, it kind of being a little bit crazy that she'd know what to say to save his life, basically. Yeah,
1: and the the, the deciding factor was she said, uh, you feel like you don't deserve to find her. How the fuck do you know that? You don't know that.
0: You can't know that. But she does because she went through it with John. Sort of. It
1: doesn't just because you have an experience and feel a certain way doesn't mean that everybody else has those same feelings. Of course, that's the problem I have with people assigning other people feelings. It's like, stop projecting onto me, you stupid cow. Just (laughs) let me express my own goddamn feelings. And you could do it that way too. Just talk to me, like, listen, actively listen
0: to him instead of telling him how he feels. Well, I think she was. I think she was explaining her own experience, hoping that he would see something in that, that, uh, that got to him. Right. And that's how, that's how people do things, right? I, I can't assign stuff to you, but I can talk about my own feelings and experience and hope you can take something from that. That's how advice and human interaction works.
1: Yes. And I would agree with that. That's not what she did. She told him how he
0: felt. I think she partially did that though.
1: Yeah. So I think that approach has always irritated me and that might be a a factor in uh, what I thought of that writing at the time. Uh, So I just, I I agree with the sentiment that she wanted to talk him off a ledge, but
0: that approach would not have worked on me. It would have enraged me it did enrage me. <laughs> well, luckily it worked on Dwight cuz he's still with us. Uh what about earlier on when they've got Dwight tied to the post inside the building there with the zombies out there? Yep. Uh that's that's kind of when they first started to win him over. And what I liked about that is the way John talks to him at that point. He's he's polite and friendly and very matter-of-fact, you know? He's just like look, uh you know, we understand um you you were shooting at us and then he says something like if i give you your gun back are you going to point it at something other than us like i i loved all that stuff i thought it was really perfect for john dory's character and style and i was happy that dwight responded to it in such a positive way that was one of the better parts of the episode i'll give you that yeah and and he just earns dwight's trust so i mean kind of kind of easily sure but again that's It's almost refreshing in The Walking Dead because nobody ever trusts anybody and there's so much conflict between people when they're first getting to know one another that here we kind of go through that really quickly and we get to this point of trust and agreement much quicker. Uh, And I credit that to John Dory and June and the way their characters have been developed on the show, uh, which is more than I can say for most people. All right. Uh,
2: let's see. Let's do a call here from Eric. Hey guys, I just wanted to leave you some quick feedback for Fear the Walking Dead, Season 5, Episode 3. I'm really glad to have Dwight on Fear the Walking Dead. He was one of my favorite characters from the comic. And I think the reason for this is because his arc is much more complex than the other heroes that we usually follow in the show and in the comic. Uh, I'm a little worried that they gave him a bit of a memory problem in this show, Um, but it could add to this kind of identity crisis that Dwight has from his arc. When we first meet him, he's sort of a relative loner, um, obviously with his uh, girlfriend or fiancé, and then he runs into the saviors, becomes a victim of the saviors, is eventually accepted and becomes a victimizer of himself of sorts as a savior, turns on them, joins with our group of heroes with uh, Rick, and finally ends up turning away from the entire scenario to chase down the woman that he loves, which ultimately leads him to fear. So, I hope that the writers don't use this memory problem of Dwight's to sort of give him a blank slate because I think this complex uh, arc that he's been on is really what makes this character so interesting. And I'm really excited to see what they do with the character on the show. Uh, So in closing, I just want to say thank you guys so much for the podcast Um, and to my fellow listeners out there support the show. If you can, and at the very least, spread the word. Thanks. See you next time.
0: Fantastic. Thanks, Eric. I should mention, I cut it out for time, but he he started his call with just saying about how much he disliked season four, um, and he went searching for podcasts to listen to about it, and he found us, and he stuck with oh, us. Good. So Awesome. Glad to have you aboard, Eric. Um, and uh, what I wanted to bring up here, though, is... Uh, this This memory problem that that he 's referring to in terms of dwight 's past uh, i'm not totally sure I quite understand what Eric is saying there um I think he's saying that Dwight has had a rather complex past and had a yes. fairly you know in depth character arc from everything he 's been through, and is fear of the Walking Dead gonna just tr- sort of ignore all that and reset the character which um Which I don't think is the case. Oh, they
1: absolutely are. They they out and out said that.
0: What are you talking about? I think for some of the, many of the reasons I've already said and and what they depicted in this episode with him searching for Sherry and stuff like that, I I feel like they're playing his past into it rather well. And it's only been one episode. We don't know where he's going to go yet.
1: But Morgan says it you know we we have a bit of a blank slate here we have a you know we're starting fresh uh so don't worry about the past
0: uh we're we're starting fresh here oh fair morgan morgan, morgan says it like they're wiping everything clean between him and morgan i think dwight as a human being though is still going to be affected by what's happened to him
1: no, I, I think that you know his character is going to be wiped clean. I think his motivation of finding his wife is still going to remain, but the fact that he shot Doctor Denise in the eye with a crossbow bolt, uh, well, it's never going to come up, right? The fact that uh, you know uh, they, he might mention why or how he got those burns, but uh, they're they're yeah they're they're
0: just going to ignore ninety percent of his character development so far. But see, I, I see, I don't see it that way because I think Dwight sitting in that van wanting to kill himself is an, is an acknowledgement of, the things he's been through and the things he's done, he's basically at that point given up on life. And no, he's given up on
1: finding his wife. Like th- that, all has to do with Sherry. It's not. It's not his the, his past transgressions that he's lamenting. It's the frustration at not being able to find
0: his wife and and finding the van and not getting a forward looking clue. But he's. It's the sum of all his parts. It's not. Yes, he's he's giving up. He wants to. I think giving up on finding his wife is different than wanting to end his entire life. He yeah. could stop hunting for the clues and move on, but wanting to kill yourself is a culmination of that amongst other things.
1: Yeah. You know that. I know that. Our listeners know that. The show is going to completely ignore all of that. But but Dwight knows that as a character. Yes, but Dwight knows that, but the show's not going to address any of that. But how- like
0: how is the show making him want to kill himself? Ignoring that, it's not. It's acknowledging that it exists. He's well, at a- no.
1: He he mentioned he's ta- Everything he said was around his wife and not being able to find her, and about uh, the clues leading to to this van. And so he was uh, he was what scouring the planet for the van and found it. He thought anyway. Right. We'll get to that. But uh, everything he's been saying was about the van. Searching for his wife, not finding it, following clues, not having another clue, losing track of her, where is she? It's all been about Sherry. It's none of it has been about the shit he
0: did in order to survive the saviors. Yeah, but this is what I'm talking about with the show, and they don't have to beat us over the head with it. We we know what he's been through, right? Yes, we do. And- the character knows what he's been through. They don't have to have him explicitly tell everyone, all this happened to me, and this is why I'm, I'm in this position right now. You know, he's focused on Sherry at the moment. That's one part of a bigger whole, which makes Dwight a, a well-rounded, fascinating character. Yeah. Right? No, and I,
1: I agree with all that. And that's what I mean by you know that and I know that, but the show is not going to
0: acknowledge that. But that. But they don't have to because we know it, and it's clear in his actions on screen. Okay. Well, once again, we've seen
1: the same episode. We have different opinions. Uh, (laughs) I I think that they are wiping the slate clean on Dwight's character, except for this one motivation thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think it's all in there and you just have to, you just have to be willing to see it. Now I get it. Maybe there's people out there that only watch Fear the Walking Dead and don't watch the original show. So they have none of that backstory. Yeah. I, I'd be surprised if there's very many of those people, but there's, there's probably somebody out there. Uh, And then therefore, you know, maybe you're missing out on this a little bit, but um, I also don't think that coming at it from that angle would really take too much away from Dwight. I think it's still clear that he's, he's a pretty deep character that has some demons in his past.
1: Okay. I, I think we may have a
0: different opinion on what blank Slate means in this context. Well, maybe, I don't know. Um, What about, here's something weird about Dwight that I, that I was surprised about in this episode. I knew he was coming, you know, it was publicized that Dwight was joining the show. And for some reason in my mind, I expected a very different introduction for Dwight. For some reason, I had decided that they're going to have Dwight show up. He's going to be in total badass mode. He's going to be well-organized, stocked with supplies and weapons, and totally know what he's doing and be a threat to our characters on this show. Uh, but he wasn't. He was basically the opposite. He was kind of desperate and he needed help. Um, and that's just for some reason not what I expected. And I don't know why I expected him to come in as you know a well-stocked, Threat threatening badass, but uh, I was a little bit surprised the way they did it. I don't know if you had any preconceptions of how they'd bring in Dwight.
1: I, I didn't, but I am disappointed that uh, they made him out to be a bad shot when we know full well he's not a bad shot. He's had lots of experience with weapons in uh, The Walking Dead, and uh, you know, granted, he was aiming at uh, Daryl when mm-hmm. he shot Doctor Denise through the eye. I was going to so, point that out. <laughs> yeah, but he's. I don't think he's a spray a prey, or spray and pray kind of shot. Uh, I think he's a little more meticulous than that, just kind of shooting off in random, hoping he hits something. Uh, and John Dory comes along going, you know, he wasn't really a threat to me because he wasn't shooting at me. He was shooting around. But anyway, Dwight's a much better shot. He has more experience than what they made him out to be. So
0: that they're already you know, manipulating his character to be different than he was in The Walking Dead. Listen, I will, I will give you that. But at the same time, a lot of his shooting was taking place like in a dust storm where you couldn't see and it was, would have been difficult to hit anything, I think. But yeah, fair enough. He wasn't a very good shot where he maybe could have been. But at the same time, come on, he was aiming a crossbow at one person, hit another. That's not a very good record.
1: (laughs) Uh, You know, he got within... You know, he, yeah. Okay. So that's that's true, but I think he's he's had experience with firearms. There's no way he wouldn't be. He would be uh, hanging out with the Saviors for that long without being competent with a firearm.
0: Maybe, maybe. But that's I,
1: anecdotal, though. So right. Yeah. You know,
0: I'll uh, I I admit that I'm on shaky ground here, but <laughs> it's just it's how I feel. Fair enough, and I'm not I'm not for one to tell you. How to feel otherwise. <laughs> uh, look, there was a Dwight scene that I didn't like. Uh, it's when he comes out of nowhere while John is turned around shooting zombies uh, behind him. Dwight just magically appears behind him with a gun up to his head. And uh, apparently not just zombies have invisibility cloaks on this show because oh, he no, it's stealth it's, Dwight.
1: It's, it's the rule. If the camera doesn't see it, the characters don't see it either. It's right. the rule. And I can get on board with that because it's fun. It's funny.
0: But see, that's, it bothers me. I wish characters could see past Oh, their it's ridiculous. Absolutely.
1: Noises. But, uh, you know, if you can agree that it's a rule, like everybody in this, on this, in this reality has soft heads, but they heal fast. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's the rule. You no, know, we, we have to, you know, zombies exist. So this is, we have to take the actual rules of reality and throw them out. We're learning new rules. The rules are, uh, zombies exist. People's heads are soft. Uh, people heal fast. And if the camera doesn't see it, neither do the people, neither do the characters.
0: All right. Well, I'll try to keep all that in mind and not let it get to me. Yeah. So let me ask you another question, Jason. Uh, Dwight has traveled across the country all uh, the way from uh, Virginia area to wherever they are now, somewhere in Texas or- I assume Texas, because I
1: saw there was a sign for Texas. Yeah. One of
0: the zombies uh, tied up
1: with intestines was, uh, and we'll get to that, uh, was on a uh, some kind of signpost that had Texas, a shape of Texas on it. All right. So, so that's where I they I assume are. that's a Texan
0: thing. Morgan traveled across the country to this place- you know, yeah. that's fine. He just left and wandered until he arrived here. Uh-huh. And now Dwight has done the same thing, presumably following the trail of Sherry, who's been leaving him notes. Yeah. So, does it bother you at all that Dwight randomly ends up in the same place as Morgan in such a vast expanse of a country?
1: Well, not in this, re- there's another rule. There's another reality. I mean, uh, Strand and, uh, what's his name? Keep meeting up. Uh, you no, know, even Salazar, uh, Daniel Salazar. Yeah. Uh, they keep meeting
0: up. Well, but they, that's didn't... a bit of a coincidence. Are they following each other around? I mean, they didn't really meet up totally randomly. Al met Daniel before and Al told Strand, seek this person out.
1: Oh, so it's a a chain of coincidences instead of a single coincidence. Kind of, yes. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's absolutely ridiculous. I didn't really think about it. I mean, they made kind of light of it uh, when uh, they compared notes on what routes they took to get here. Mm-hmm. I'll just take the I, whatever. I don't know, US highways. The 20 uh, and then the 85 or
0: something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think uh, odd numbers go north, south, even numbers goes east, west. Uh, that part I know. Uh, so, but I I wouldn't know which highways to take to get from point A to point B other than if you want to go to Florida from Sault Ste. Marie, take the I-75 for as long as you can. Okay. Until you get wet. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big country. I don't know if you know that, but the, you know, from a. From a human perspective, it's a, it's a big country. From a planetary expect- uh, perspective or even a universal perspective, it's really, really tiny. Uh-huh. But from, uh From a, you know, human feet on ground walking around, uh, chances of you running into somebody are slim. Mm-hmm. Even though it's happened, it's happened to me, it's happened to you. Yep. I was living in the Sioux, I drove eight hours south to Toronto and I ran into Alistair on Queen Street. It can happen. It can happen. It's a big city. It's a big country. Canada's, Canada's even a bigger country. But uh, I just, I ran into Alistair, hey, like a week
0: after I moved to Toronto. It's crazy. Like, hey, Alistair, what are you doing? (laughs) When I was a kid, my parents piled us in the car and we drove from Toronto to Florida. And at some point on the trip, I don't remember where, but it was close to Florida, we went and stopped in a Wendy's for lunch one day. Uh And in that Wendy's, we ran into another family that we knew from Toronto who lived close by and who were also, uh, unbeknownst to us on a different road trip. And we ended up in the same Wendy's at the same time, probably in Georgia somewhere. Nice. Totally random. That's fancy. So it can happen.
1: It can happen. You want to hear another weird story from uh, grade school? There was this girl in grade. I forget everybody's name, but, uh, I was living in the Sioux. This girl from grade, uh, that I went to grade school with went to Calgary on a trip and Calgary is pretty far. And, uh, they were in a mall in Calgary and took a picture of themselves in the mall, like a selfie or not a selfie at the time, but the, you know, took a family photo at, at the mall and then, uh, you know, came back a couple of years later, uh, somebody, uh, there was a girl who moved from Calgary to the Sioux, was in the class, was in the background of that photo. Yeah. I've heard of
0: that happening too. That's weird. That is weird, but hilarious, but amazing. Like, yeah, funny, weird,
1: cl- so coincidences do happen.
0: They do. It,
1: it's a little convenient that uh, Sherry, Morgan, and Dwight all end up in the same place, even though Dwight was following Sherry. So it's more of a coincidence that Sherry and Dwight went to the same place rather mm-hmm. than Dwight and, or sorry, Morgan and Sherry went to the same place yeah.
0: more than Dwight and Morgan because Dwight was following Sherry. Yes, he was. But here's the thing. I have kind of, I, I agree with you that it's a little bit nuts. Um, but I also think it's the kind of thing you just have to suspend your disbelief, put at the back of your mind and be like, okay, Dwight's here now, you know, he traveled and he found Morgan. That's fine. Well, there's
1: only like so many humans now, right? So you're they- bound to run into somebody.
0: Exactly. And that's kind of the theory I came up with. Um, there are very few living human beings left, right? Most of them are more spread out than they used to be. I know. But listen, most of the population is zombies. And I think it is human nature. To come together, and so in the zombie apocalypse, when there are very few people left, as a traveler or someone who is uh, wandering around out there, it's probably uh, in in your human nature to look for other signs of life and try to find these other people, whether you're doing it consciously or not. So, I think in a world like this, where there are less people living, it's actually more likely that you'll encounter them because you look for that living human connection and the signs of life. So with Dwight traveling, he's first of all following Sherry, who the same thing is happening to her, and he just happens to be have taken a similar route to Morgan. It's going to end up with him finding the people. At least that's what I'm telling myself. Yeah, I, I, think, don't, I don't buy that. I think it helps explain it a little bit
1: a little bit maybe but people are more spread out and yes people are looking for you know we're a social animal like we tend to group in social groups uh so yes i think that it would be uh, more indicative of people trying to stick together and work together in order to achieve a common goal like survival Except not we, we know that doesn't happen <laughs> yeah, well yeah and but not Running into people you know all the time because there's only so many humans left. You're more likely to run into a zombie and go, "Oh, I knew that guy."
0: Oh, true. That's very true. But that's yes. just, that's if, especially if you hang around your like home neighborhood. But
1: if I can buy it know. in Hamlet, I can probably buy it here. You know, when Hamlet was uh, traveling home after a while, and he ran across this grave digger who was digging up this grave, and he said, "Alas, poor York! I knew him well." Horatio mm-hmm. uh, It's like, if, you know, I knew that guy. That's his head. You know, you're running into a gravedigger grave digging the grave of somebody you knew as a kid. If I can buy that, I can buy
0: this. You're okay with this. All yes. right. Well, fair enough. Let's continue here. Justine in NorCal writes, just wanted to report that I loved the last episode of Fear the Walking Dead. I don't really watch the show unless you guys rave about an episode, <laughs> but I gave this one a chance because it looked like a John and June episode, and I'm glad I did. I found it really fun that it was like one of those saloon shootout arcade games come to life. And I liked that it felt like an episode of Deadwood. The only time it really went over the top for me was when John splits his last bullet to kill two zombies. But otherwise the episode was great fun. So I don't uh, know yeah. if this felt like an episode of Deadwood cause I've never watched Deadwood, but uh, I'll take her word for it. I figured you might have some comments on that. Well, I was, you know, Deadwood's a cowboy town show. And a show that you love.
1: It is. It's a really good show that I love. and But it's not set in a fake cowboy town that is a cookie-cutter cowboy town of all over the place. It's set in a real town uh, and is actually partially historically accurate, at least partially, and had really. it was a really good show. And there was a hell of a lot of swearing in Deadwood. Yes. Like right. a lot, a
0: lot, a lot. <laughs> but they explain that. Sure, there probably was a lot of swearing in uh, the Wild West. You know what? There's a lot of swearing in real life to this day. People love yeah. to swear.
1: And I, I can explain why. Do you want me to know, we tell you why? Or at least uh, Robert Milch, Milch, with whoever created Deadwood. Okay. Um, why he thinks that there was a lot of swearing. Uh, it's because it was a lawless town. Like it was set in the Dakota territories, I think. Uh, so it wasn't part of the, it didn't have US laws at the time because it was on a reservation uh, illegally. So there was no actual law there. Uh, they started, you know, implementing their own laws and that's why they got, uh, uh, what's his name to be sheriff or marshal or whatever. But, uh, the idea is that when you meet somebody, there's a real good chance that they're armed and they'll shoot you in the face and that's fine. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of high stakes danger. The only way, so the only way to bluster is to swear. Is to uh, it's basically like uh, gorillas beating their chest. It's to uh, establish dominance in a non-physical way. You had to do it verbally, so you swore your fucking head off in order to establish <laughs> some kind of dominance uh, in that uh, high-high-stakes,
0: deadly environment. Interesting. Well, yeah. that makes some sense to me. And just yes. before anyone writes in, the guy's name was David Milch, the creator. David, of David. Milch.
1: Yeah, close to Robert.
0: I know. He uses the same alphabet. Come on. Virtually the same thing. Well, listen, I wanted to read Justine's email because she brings up the shot, which I was calling the shot uh, until they named it the San Antonio split. And Jason, I'm going to let you start about to talk about this shot because I have some feelings and some thoughts, but I want to hear what you have to say about it first.
1: It stretched my uh, disbelief too far. And I couldn't, it, it was too thin to begin with, uh, in this episode. And, uh, my, my, my disbelief won over, uh, the awesomeness of the shot. I know it's probably possible. Like, I think that, uh, Mythbusters have probably done this. I know they tried the splitting the arrow thing, but, uh, I don't know if they've done this with hatchets and bullets. Uh, but you know, there's a guy lying on the ground holding up a shaky ax and two zombies happen to be in the exact right position around that shaky axe for a guy that has one bullet left and is a sharpshooter, sure, but can he hit the edge of a wobbly axe held up by a guy who's hurt? He's he's shot and uh, taken down by a zombie that's dead, dead, dead. Uh, There's just too many unbelievable things all coming together for this to be... Uh, Not a John Woo moment.
0: But isn't this what heroes do? They step up in the moment and they do something incredibly unlikely and heroic and save the day? Uh, Unlikely, yes. Ridiculous? No. I mean, I wouldn't call it ridiculous. I would call it silly. I would call it kind of dumb. And (laughs) I would call it unlikely. Uh but, I would also say that I still loved it, yeah, six of one half a dozen of another tomato. <laughs> I mean, Han Solo shoots the sarlac uh tentacle while he's blind,
1: yeah you know, he was getting directions from chewie though wasn't
0: he he was
1: or maybe getting, Lando getting Sorry, directions from
0: from Lando, maybe, but he Lando was screaming up a bit up a bit or something like that, not. Really good directions.
1: We've had this conversation before, whether or not Han Solo is a, uh, can use the force. And we all know he (laughs)
0: cannot.
1: See, I think he used the force in that moment. Uh, No. It's it's the exact same thing that Luke did with the blaster shield down. He reached out with his feelings and was able to, uh, to, you know, block the blaster shots based on just his feelings that he was able to somehow manipulate into an aura. Han Solo did the same thing there. I think, I'm glad you brought this
0: up. No, except that everybody knows Han Solo is not a Force-sensitive character. He does not use the Force.
1: Yeah, this is the second example of that. Third, actually. He, one, he knew that Greedo was going to shoot him. Uh, this one, and the, 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 the fact that he was able to
0: uh, wield a lightsaber to cut open that tauntaun. Okay, we're not going to get back into that. We've already <laughs> discussed why that is okay. Uh, I don't remember when, I don't remember what episode, but it has come up before. Yeah. John Dory, this- I think, stepped up and did something unlikely because he is John Dory. And the reason I can, I'm okay with it, even though I think it's silly, dumb, and dumb, it's because I believe in John Dory. I like the character. His His, the depth to this character and, and everything about him is able to overpower the craziness of him shooting an ax, splitting a bullet and hitting two zombies in the head. It's, I, I, I know it's impossible, but I believe John Dory can do it. You
1: think the time he took in order to set this shot up was better spent doing this, like the, the, The time it took him to have Dwight hold up the axe, wait for the zombies to get in the exact right position, wait for the axe to, uh, wibble wobble around until it was in the right position, uh, and then make the shot because he's a sharpshooter. That time was better spent doing this
0: than running over there and clubbing one of them and shooting the other. That's not the point. That's not what he chose to do. What he chose to do is take this shot and he did it. it. Took the big risk. At the expense of the reasonable action. Yeah, but people take risks all the time. Like just walking around is is a risk. You take a drink of water, you risk your life. He had a choice though.
1: He had a choice between uh, helping in a a way that had a better chance of uh, success and choosing this way of doing things which had so many ridiculous variables that it was almost impossible.
0: But I mean you could I'm say not saying
1: impossible, I'm saying almost impossible.
0: Well, that's a I think that's a key distinction. Almost impossible is important. Like actually impossible would have bothered me a little bit more. Well yeah, I mean Even- you know,
1: shooting shooting at the moon and having it fall down to Earth because it was in fact uh turns out to be a big balloon that's only a hundred feet <laughs> off the ground. You know? It's not impossible.
0: It we just we haven't known that about the moon yet. Uh, that's impossible uh even i was even though i think this shot is virtually impossible like i don't think this is essentially something, impossible essentially sorry you know what i mean i you i know i
1: know what you mean I'm, Well, I, i'm clarifying it's not you know almost impossible it's basically uh, the chances of this succeeding are
0: zero i mean with you know without a great deal of rounding essentially zero exactly yeah. and you know i acknowledge that fact but i think john dory as a character comes out on top in this situation and i i can you know i can just believe that he can do this and you could argue that every decision everybody makes on this show there's a better alternative on both shows right most of the yeah. time one of the biggest criticisms is like why do they make so many stupid decisions uh and i get it you know that's a thing and i understand That feeling about this scenario, uh, maybe even more than some other cases because of the essential impossibility to it all. But it's John Dory, and I believe in John Dory. Yeah, the only explanation for this is that he's a force user. (laughs) It's the only one. Fine, I'll give you that. John Dory can use the Force as long as you admit that Han Solo can't.
1: I, I can't. I can't admit that. Just, you're 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 stacking up the evidence for me and not uh, not against. <laughs>
0: well, I have a nitpick I, about the scene.
1: I I didn't I didn't even realize that uh, Han was using the Force that time he shot the uh, the Sarlacc tentacle when he was blind. What until just now? That. Until just now, I didn't think that that was evidence towards a. I knew it happened. Like I've seen the movie. But, uh, I didn't use that as evidence
0: for uh, Han Solo being a force user until you just brought it up. Well, thank you. No problem. <laughs> I, st- <laughs> I, st- I still think you're wrong. Uh, I do have a nitpick about this scene, which really, I don't know if, if, uh, if you notice the same thing, but, uh, I have heard <laughs> that, um, snipers. Uh, in real life, in the military, are supposed to inhale and hold their breath while they pull the trigger? Absolutely not. Why not?
1: It's not what, I, no, you don't do that. You don't stop breathing because as soon as you hold, start holding your breath, your body starts to shake. A little bit, ever ever so imperceptibly, but it starts to shake. You breathe in, you breathe regular, you breathe out, you breathe regular, you breathe in. And as you're holding your the rifle, as you breathe in, the barrel starts to move. You start to get used to that motion, and as you're breathing out, halfway breathing out, that's when you squeeze the trigger. Okay, you don't well, hold your breath.
0: I I heard at some point you you at least maybe not hold your breath, but you time it in between breaths. Yes, and that you do. I heard that when you breathe in and fill yourself with fresh oxygen, it actually improves your eyesight by a fraction for that second, and that's something maybe maybe I was lied to when I was told cool. that, but but they say breathe in. pull the trigger on the in breath, but not while you're breathing in because it moves the barrel a little bit. And, uh, in this scene, I noticed that John Dory seems to exhale before he pulled the trigger. And I'm like, that's not how you're supposed to do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, and you're also supposed to like, uh, they also use their heartbeat. Like your heartbeat causes your body to shake a little bit too, right? Right. Uh, so you actually not only time it with your breath, but you time it with your heartbeat. So you shoot when your heart is not like between beats. Right. Right, right, right. Okay. So, but no, you don't hold your breath. Well, okay. That I, I know, but, and that was uh, taught to me during my military, uh, basic training was that you know, they said, don't hold your breath. Cause you're, you start to shake when you hold your breath. Don't breathe out, uh, you know, control your breathing, but halfway out your ex- exhale, halfway through your exhale, that's when you squeeze the trigger. You never pull the trigger,
0: you squeeze the trigger. Sorry, you squeeze the trigger. I know. I've well, heard I don't that even too. know
1: what you said. I'm just saying, like, I don't even know if, what you said about pulling the trigger or squeezing the trigger or whatever, but they don't refer to it as pulling the trigger. You refer to it because you're squeezing your whole hand, not just, I don't know. Right. What do I know? I've shot a rifle like a dozen
0: times. And I never have. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, they may call it squeezing. The rest of the world calls it pulling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pull the trigger. I mean, that's the that's the phrase, right? It is. I've used that at work all the time. There you go. Uh, let's see. The only, there was one that's other- That's your nitpick? Yeah, that he breathed the <laughs> wrong way, but maybe it's not even accurate. I do have one more. Um, yeah, there okay. was no reason for June to throw the gun to him. She seemed to be like right there.
1: Oh yeah, the, no, it was Cowboy Town.
0: But they were doing it for- cowboy town that's right yeah <laughs> all right uh, other than that i love this whole sequence i thought it was super fun and it was it was just john dory being so awesome uh and i i i don't know i have nothing else bad to say about it
1: yeah except that dwight is an incompetent fool in this episode when he's not
0: he was also shot don't forget john dory shot him oh, earlier shot him in
1: the arm he was he, fine he was injured come on what's her name got the super injured and she was up and talking about accordions like five minutes later, he (laughs) had some
0: bandages put on and yeah, he's fine. I know he's fine now. So, but he wasn't at the time. Uh, Okay. Let's continue with a call from designer. Will. Hey Chris and Jason, Designer Will with some feedback for
3: this last week's episode of Fear. While it wasn't perfect, I enjoyed it a lot and um, I've been thinking a lot about the differences between The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. To me, The Walking Dead is a more serious show with relatable characters and quite good writing, and it has kind of set our expectations for, I think, anything within this universe. And I do think Fear the Walking Dead started out that way with its core cast of characters. Now, I think the show has naturally evolved away from that, and it now has this feeling of larger-than-life characters who find themselves in impossible situations and who kind of, you know, again, beyond all odds, uh, luck out and kind of move on. And I think this has been hard for uh, some of the viewers to uh, accept or enjoy. I know it's even been hard for me at times. But I'm going to accept that this is a different show that treats Uh, these characters and the situations entirely differently and try not to get too hung up on that. Now, one great example of this is when Dwight enters the picture and we get the cool Western vibe. uh, You know, I loved everything about that. uh, This, you know, Dwight, John and June interaction. Now, when Dwight's stuck in the minivan, John and June could have solved this issue. The Walking Dead way. They would have basically gotten in the car, turned it on, honked the horn, get the zombies to leave the minivan, then zip around the back and pick up uh, Dwight, and they'd be on their way. But they went the other route with the theatrics and the unnecessary risk and the extra expense. But what's cool is that the writers were able to kind of give us a glimpse into John Dory's past and um, allow him to kind of play up his sharpshooter gunslinger character quite a bit more. And I think this show has just given itself permission to do that. I know we've heard a lot of complaints from fans, uh, because they, they, it, it feels like it strays too far from what we've come to know about fear and, uh, the walking dead, I guess this universe. But again, I think that it's just this different decision that they've kind of accepted to kind of move into. And I'm curious if you feel the same way or what you think about that. If there's you know, you, these two separate camps and, and they're allowed to be quite different from each
0: other. All right. Thanks guys. Bye. Jason care to comment. Uh,
1: I agree that the, the feel and the vibe of this show is, uh, diverging from the walking dead for sure. Uh, and is getting more into the realm of the silly. Uh, you know, we've, we've had a cowboy episode. Now we had a, uh, a, a episode. Uh, we get two other things we have to talk about that I'll have to remember, but yes, I absolutely agree that the, the vibe of this show is different. I'm trying, I swear to God, I'm trying to get on board with the vibe of this show, but, uh, this one failed to capture my attention like that.
0: I do think it is a, a very valid point that, uh, designer will makes, the 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 show has just diverged away from kind of the seriousness or logic yeah. of the original show and it's decided to do its own thing and go for the theatrics a little bit more and that's what we were getting with this town and with John Dory and his ability to make that shot and a lot of the other things that happened All right. so
1: next episode will be a pirate episode i assume <laughs> sure right. why
0: not yeah, we'll need pirates. Uh, For sure. There haven't been pirates on the show. Let's do pirates and then yeah, dinosaurs. We and, you well, know. we
1: don't need, you know, we just need genres of movies, right? Right. So, or, you know, we've had, now we've had a Western mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, we'll, we've had, uh, uh, then we'll get a sports movie of some kind. Well, well, they did live at a stadium, so maybe we'll give them that one already. We'll
0: check that off the list. I mean, hasn't the show kind of been a Western for a long time now, though?
1: Well, with the, with the you know, bringing John Dory on board, yes. We've had Western, I mean, June's gone full Western now too, right? So we got a Western couple,
0: which it's, it
1: happens when couples have been, have been together for a while, they tend to start looking alike. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's my, my wife's theory on television, right? Uh You can tell when somebody, uh when a couple is uh disagreeing with each other because they're wearing different colors, like they, they're actually, or if people are at, uh, at odds, they're wearing different colors, but if they agree with each other and there's, there's, you know, uh, a, a good relationship there they start to look the same so this is what happened this is what happening is to uh john and june is now
0: they're they're slowly becoming the same person
1: which i've done with my wife already we sh- share a single iq at this point
0: of course i mean you're growing your beard to match hers right
1: no i shaved it off see?
0: oh yeah you're right most of it's gone <laughs> yeah I shaved it off like yesterday <laughs> all right well then you shaved it off to match her lack of beard that's right Better. and uh she's very pleased she hated the beard that's too bad uh all right well i I can appreciate what uh Will is saying here in that in that the yeah. show's just diverging doing its own thing, frankly, that's what I want it to do. You know, I don't want it to be the same as The Walking Dead, not that it ever really was, but in a way, it kind of was, and it's never going to be totally different. It's still a zombie show about people surviving yeah. um but if they're finally making their own mark a little bit more. And this is uh one way of doing that. And so I like it.
1: Yeah. I think I just, I'm, I'm struggling to come to terms with the fact that this show is not as grounded in reality as, uh, the walking dead.
0: Right. And one, well, one, could, one you know, reality in question, right? The question in quotation marks. Sure. We're, it's a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one could argue that the walking dead itself isn't even that grounded in reality sometimes, but I guess on the whole, it is a oh, little Like bit the more.
1: time they were shooting all those bullets and the action wasn't cycling and there was no recoil.
0: Oh like, God. Remember that, we, went, what you mean? we went through like two full seasons of, of people complaining about the unrealistic gun physics oh, and God, stuff like that. And laser, laser guns. Sure. with. Anyway, we won't have to revisit that. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, anyways, so I've got a couple more things here, but, but are all there right. anything you want to, anything you want to cover before we we continue here? Cause I feel like there's a couple of things you, you want to bring up.
1: Yeah, there are one, uh, is the, what did you think of the opening shots? Like what I mean by, uh, when they were circling the the areas on the map where, uh, it started to look like a perimeter once they, once they, you know, circled off three quarters of an actual circle, it started to look like a perimeter a lot before that, but Uh, you know, they would do a, like just, it looked like hero shots of zombie kill and then cut to another person doing a zombie kill and then cut to another person. It was all, it was very stylized and, uh, looked like hero shots were it in retrospect, it kind of looked like frames of a comic book, which at when I first viewed it, I didn't like it, but I think I'm coming to terms with it. Thinking of it in terms of comic book shots.
0: Well, I thought it was an effective and efficient way of kind of portraying what they were doing. Uh, Because like I said, I was not interested in what Morgan, Alicia, and Lucy were doing. And if they dragged that out even more, I'd have been even more disappointed. So comic frames. Yeah, I didn't think of that, but I think you're onto something there. And I, I agree. That's pretty cool. But I just think it was a quick, like, we're driving around. We're killing zombies. We're checking out where these blockades are and, um, you know, we're making a map so we can try to figure out if there is any sort of pattern to it. So I didn't mind it. I thought it was quick and fast and good. Okay. So yeah, like I say, I'm,
1: I didn't like it at first and that's, I think what turned me off initially on this episode is just like, what are they doing? It's <laughs> these, these kind of weird hero shot, uh, zombie killing montage thing. Uh, it kind of bothered me at first, but I think overall after, you know, watching it the first time, I think I'm slowly coming to terms with that. Yeah. And the second thing I wanted to bring up was, uh, is our intestines, uh,
0: an an effective (laughs) rope? (laughs) Uh, you know, I don't know, but I have seen in other stuff over the years, you know, people hanging by their intestines. I think there's you know, some. Intestines smell, right? Like yeah, I've heard that. That's where all your poop is. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I, I, no one's not saying that they don't stink in the in the show, but I don't know. I feel like they might have some amount of tensile strength to them, but probably not um, enough to like hang a human being out of a tree. We have listeners that are doctors,
1: right? Like write in and tell us the the whether intestines would make an effective way of binding uh, weak people like I don't think zombies are that strong or at least not that willful to try and break things but mm-hmm. would it hold them like and where did I mean sure people have a lot of intestines right I personally have you know quite a few yeah quite long intestine uh, but would it make a good rope or whether would it be better to just get some rope I think it would be better to get actual rope but if you're hard up for rope the next op- logical option is intestines
0: yeah I don't know. I mean, if you're hard up for rope, according to the internet, the small in, the small intestine is about twenty feet long in okay. in a in a, an adult. The large intestine is about five feet long and three inches in diameter. Okay, that's that, so. These were all small intestines, probably. Yeah, but twenty feet's pretty
1: long. Okay, so twenty feet per person. Uh huh. Right. So you have like five people blocking the road, five zombies blocking the road. So that's uh, what a hundred feet of intestines. Yeah. That's enough to. It's enough, but is it strong enough? That's the
0: question. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I so, don't know either. So let us know. Let us know. Uh, do do a, do an internet search for the tensile strength of the small intestine. <laughs> See if you get an
0: answer. <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot of information is out there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that is. Uh, okay, can I play a call now from Jennifer? Yeah, please, please. Jennifer in Minneapolis.
4: Hi guys. I'm going to try to keep this short. Um, I'm in the car, I'm in traffic, and I thought I would talk to you about this show that I really want to like. I really want to like this show, but I can't get behind that it's three preteen children who are doing these walker guts on top of a billboard and stringing up heads in a tree. I can't get behind that. I don't... Their motivation is stupid, the fact that they can even do it is stupid. I can't do it. I, I'm so almost done with the show. I told my husband I'm watching until the mid-season, mid-season finale, and then I'm out because it is driving me nuts. I love John Dory. I'm totally in love with him. I love Dwight. I really hope that he can save this show, but I'm feeling like he's not going to. So I wanted to give you a couple of thoughts. I could go on and on for a long time about how crazy this show is driving me, but I'm not going to do that and torture you. So hopefully you're having a good week, and talk to you later. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Jennifer. So speaking of intestines, Jason Lee. Yeah. Jace, Jason Lee. Jason Lee. That's fine. All right. Uh, right at the end of this episode, it yep. is, we we are shown the three kids, Max, Dylan, and Annie, are tying up zombies by the intestines, uh, implying that they are the ones who have been creating these roadblocks of zombies, or at the very least, I think they are working with the people who are creating these zombie roadblocks. Yep. Uh, and the kids have set up a trap for the rest of our characters to, uh, do something. I am not, entirely sure what yet. Max says uh that Dylan, who is the kid who's left in the van all bloodied and seems to be in trouble, they've left him there to find out what they're why they're really here, who took their friend, and then make it so they never bother us again. Yeah. they got something to hide. Of course. That's what Max says Dylan is doing. So I mean that just raises a lot of questions. Who are they working with? Are they doing this alone for some reason? Um, but it also tells me that they are not with the people that took Al because he says, you know, we want to find out who took their friend. So we've got our characters. We've got, um, Logan in the, in the denim factory who we haven't seen since the first episode, which is weird. We've got these kids and possibly whoever, whatever group they're part of, and they're the ones putting up the zombie roadblocks. And then we've got the people in the sort of military- armor that took al um yeah. so a lot of questions there uh but we i have the morgan
1: with... and alicia group and then we have strand off somewhere so we got uh, we got a lot of moving parts here
0: we do but i sort of i still think of strand and those folks as the same group as morgan and alicia and everybody no they're a plane right away they're two separate yeah. groups yeah okay that's fair they are i think pretty far away um but uh, a lot of questions and so far, not too many answers there, but I do agree with Jennifer in that it seems insane that it's like three preteen kids doing all this zombie roadblocking. So there's gotta yeah. be more to it, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's all a matter of whether these pre- preteen kids have had, uh, how long they've had an interest in uh, tying up things with intestines.
0: I mean, maybe they yeah. were practicing well before the zombie
1: apocalypse. Yeah, they could just be three complete, sociopaths or psychopaths that, uh, mass murderer, uh, serial killer types that, uh, you know, were creating rope sculptures out of intestines for years I since they were, you know, <laughs> 10 or five or whatever. <laughs> yeah. They're not
0: much older than 10 as it is. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, well anyways, I, I don't know. I do think that's a bit of a stretch, but there's gotta be more to it. I think, I guess we're going to find out soon enough uh, what they're up to and who the rest of their group are is, oh, we also have, um, uh, Grace who's out there somewhere. I yeah. originally thought she was with these kids, but I don't think so anymore. So. No, I don't think so. You know, I don't know. I can uh, tell
1: you that when I was 10, uh, it never would have occurred to me to tie
0: somebody up with, uh, their small intestine. No, I don't think that would have occurred to me either. Yeah. Now I know you can do that. Yeah. So in a pinch. <laughs> you'll yeah. have some rope. <laughs> it would stink. Yeah, I know, like, but if you need if you're really stuck for rope, you know, at you least you know be where to get it. you really some. motivated to tie somebody up if
1: you need to tie him up with their small intestine or somebody else's small intestine. Or it would a, be small intestine that you have acquired somewhere else.
0: Yeah, and you're just carrying around with you.
1: Yeah, when you've got, you know, 50 60 feet of, you know, small intestine in your backpack,
0: use it for something i mean it's like the wonder woman magic lasso of intestines you wrap that around someone they're gonna tell you the truth just to get it off <laughs> yeah but only if you tell them that it's a magic
1: lasso and that they have to tell you the truth just <laughs> like they did in justice league shut up wonder
0: woman was an amazing movie
1: wonder woman yes but when she had to you know tell the bad guy what that he had to tell the truth because she was tied him up with a magic lasso and uh what was that the uh not Justice League is that the name of the movie? Yeah, that was a movie. Okay. Yeah. Not, anyway, not that a was great, dumb. not a great one. No, not a
0: great one. Uh, real quick, one more email here. Vicky from the internet writes, "Isn't the kids being sort of bad guys the same plot as season four with Charlie? Am I far off, or is this a rehash of last season? Because remember, Charlie came on. She was with that other group. She was bad. She shot yep. Nick, and yep. then they just welcomed her into the group. Uh, yeah. They're that's, very forgiving of getting." You know, they members shot by people. You know, that's an oversimplification, but that's kind of what happened. Um, you know, Vicky, I mean, kids are bad, <laughs> you know? So the show is, is, uh, is showing us that. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah,
1: especially when they're psychopaths.
0: I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. I lied. I, I have a couple more emails here. Um, the first one here is from Jerry in NorCal. Uh, I don't know if... Jerry knows Justine in Norcal but they're both from the same place.
1: Well, yeah, I, I assume they know each other because uh in the the realm of coincidences
0: they're in the same part of the country so uh they must know each other. They must, yeah. Uh Jerry writes in your la- uh, in your latest episode, you were speculating about how the rest of the season would be approached. In a recent episode of AMC's The Talking Dead, one of the producers said something to the effect that The Little Prince, a book which has been featured repeatedly, would be significant. If you've read the book, you'll recall that the prince leaves his home planet and visits a series of other planets, each of which is inhabited by a single adult obsessively engaged in some absurd pursuit. So I suspect that we won't be seeing Grace again. Instead, like the prince, the group will keep moving, meeting a series of people single-mindedly engaged in hopeless or futile tasks. Like Dwight. Like Dwight. But I think yeah. Dwight's gonna stick around. <laughs> no, I know, but he's engaged in a hopeless futile task. Yeah. At the time we meet him. That's right. That's right. Maybe. Maybe. Um and incidentally, episode six of this season of Fear the Walking Dead is called The Little Prince. So oh, yeah. it's going to play in somehow, and maybe Jerry is onto something here. Uh Grace will show up and disappear. The kids have now shown up twice, but maybe they'll disappear next week. Uh Logan You know, maybe they'll just never go back to the denim factory and they'll be like, you know what? It's his now. Let's move on.
1: Yeah. No, I get it now. I know how the little prince uh, fits into this. It turns out that the planet that they're on is only 40 feet in
0: diameter. That must be it. Yeah. So what are they? The little
1: prince that he lived on a little tiny planet. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what I, so the coincidence is, uh, you know, running into each other. Of course they're going to run into each other. It's only a 40 foot planet. It's very small. It's very small. Maybe, okay, let's go with uh, 700 feet. Yeah. Still pretty small.
0: Still pretty small. You don't really need a plane. Uh, well, a little tiny plane. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> for A plane <laughs> for ants. Yeah. Uh, finally, uh, an email here from Chris in the new home of the Stanley Cup, which I guess is St. <sighs> Louis. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know it's St. Louis. Chris writes, I'm listening back through your past episodes and I'm at the first season of fear. I had a nice chuckle at the prediction from you guys that Alicia would be the first character to die on the show, oh. considering she is now the only Clark left. It happens. It does. It happens once in a while. We are wrong. Yeah.
1: No, I'm <laughs> thinking that uh, the, like, the less likely or the least likely person to
0: uh, achieve
1: something uh, can be the one that achieves that goal.
0: Yeah, that's very true as well. So here we are, I guess we, I mean, I don't really remember saying that, but you know, over the years I've said a lot of things, uh, but I guess we did. And here we are with Alicia still alive while Nick and Madison and Travis and Chris are all dead. Uh,
1: apparently. All dead. That's right. I mean, they've, they've shown people to die before that haven't.
0: Yeah. But Travis fell out of a helicopter. We saw Chris die. We saw Nick die. Madison is the only one up in the air, but I believe. I mean, if you'd asked me last year, I would have told you, she's dead, 100%. Yeah. I'm yeah, not so sure anymore. She, that's what you said.
1: Yeah. She's not dead. No. Maybe she's the one on the radio at the end of the uh, uh, the season finale of The Walking Dead.
0: Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. We'll some some people think it's Alicia <laughs> as a, uh, a, yeah. a reverse crossover. So, all right. That is going to wrap up our discussion of Fear the Walking Dead, season five, episode three. Humbug's Gulch, which we can at least agree on is a great title and two fun. We can agree on that. Two words that are fun to put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's about it. It sounds like, so that was fun. I feel bad.
1: Don't feel a bad. A lot of people, a lot of people wrote in and called in saying that they really liked this episode and that you liked this episode. Uh, it, it, it makes me question whether or not I'm way off here.
0: Don't feel bad. You're entitled. Should I,
1: should I watch the episode five or six times before the next, uh, the next podcast?
0: I mean, if there's one way that you're gonna solidify, either solidify you're loving it or hating it, that's a good way to yeah. do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the accidental husband. It's your favorite movie now. It's yeah, it's it's ingrained in my DNA. Jasper's gonna know this movie. <laughs> yes, <Right>? he is. <laughs> so, because I, I watched it five to four times or five times in a row, like one after another, after
0: another, after I'd not stop. Anyway, uh, maybe I need to do that. Well, I'm not gonna say don't give it a try. But I'll leave the final decision up to you.
1: Yeah. And that's why we like music from the 80s.
0: Because we've heard it so fucking much.
1: <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I swear to God that some of the music that I really like now from the 80s, I hated in the 80s. Oh, I and know I've that. heard it so much that, uh, like, Walk Like an Egyptian, I think I might have brought this up before.
0: I hated that song. I absolutely despised it. I absolutely, 100% agree with you. I know there's music I hated in the 80s that I think is great now.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It's weird how that works. It's so weird. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we wrap up here, I just want to remind everyone that you can help support the show in two very easy ways. The first of which is visiting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead. You can make a very small monthly pledge there and, uh, all of your pledges come to us to help pay for things like the hosting and the audio equipment and, and stuff like that. What are you laughing at? I thought you were going to say all of your pledges come true. (laughs) All of your pledges come true, everyone. (laughs) Um, but they do because they, they help support the show. And I am sure your wishes are that this show continues on into the future, the distant future to eternity. Uh, I know that's what I want to do. (laughs) Yeah, you know, join us and we'll podcast until one of us dies. Man, hopefully that's a long time from now. That's right, yeah. So that's patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. If a monthly pledge isn't your thing, you can just make a one-time quick donation by going to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal and sending us money that way. Um, We, you know, really, really appreciate everyone who listens, whether you you know, help in this way or not. Uh, And of course, there's no requirement to do so or anything like that. But if you do feel like helping out a little bit, that would be wonderful. So patreon.com slash thetalkingdead or talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal to make a one-time donation. All right. Otherwise, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dead. You can also visit our website and click on send voicemail at the top there to record a message to send to us. We love getting audio comments. You know, it is a podcast, so getting audio is super cool. Uh, you can also do that by just recording a message into your phone and emailing us the file. And if you want to do that, you can send your emails to talking dead podcast at gmail.com. It'll come right to me. I read everything. I think about it all. I don't reply to everyone because usually there's quite a bit. Um, but, you know, thank you so much for everyone who does send in your thoughts and comments and keep doing so because I'm trying to include more than usual on our coverage of Fear the Walking Dead this year. Uh, so by all means, send in your recordings and your emails about the show. You have like four or five days after it airs between the time it airs and we record. So lots of time, I hope that's talking dead podcast at gmail.com to do that. All right, we'll be back next week with our coverage of the next episode of Fear the Walking Dead. That'd be episode four of season five, the title of which I don't have in front of me, but I'm sure it's a good one. I it was The Little Prince. Is that not the next one? No, nope, that's episode six. next oh, week. Oh, I see. Okay. We, got, we got four and five. They come between three and six. So we're going to do those first.
1: Yeah, yeah. The Large Prince, The Medium Prince, The Little Prince. Yeah, got it.
0: That's how it works. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, everyone. Until next week, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening.
1: Ciao.